So get this, get this, everybody. Okay, all right. That's 93.5 KXFM, of course. I'll be the girl co-host who everyone always rails against her dating habits. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, you do that. (laughs) Where were you last night, Lisa? Out with another guy? Lisa, you look pretty tired this morning. Were you drunk again with another dude? And then they always give him like a name. They'll be like, well, yeah, so that's Target Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, hello. Welcome back to the Pop-Up with Paul and Friends. Great to be back here. Great to have you listening, watching, subscribing, all things in between. You know, we're doing interviews every week. And what I'm so grateful for about this show is like the mix of people I get to have come in the studio. It's friends. It's people in the business. It's, it's people I met on the streets. It's random people. I'm a conversationalist. I like talking with people. I like learning about people. I like finding the fun with people. I think I'm really learning a lot about myself as an interviewer by having more than five minutes with people on the couch here. To, to, to chat and have a good time. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys keep coming back and listening. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, this is a really special one this week because this guy is an actual friend of mine. This is a guy I've worked with in rooms and across television for many, many years. And, you know, we work with a lot of different people. And he's always stuck out to me as a guy who's charming and so talented at what he does. And I've admired his work ethic and the work he does. Just to give you context, and we, we talk about it a little bit in the episode, but um, we do these things called movie junkets, which is one of the coolest perks of being a TV host in our generation. Hopefully these still happen. They, they got really quiet during the pandemic. We did them on Zoom mainly. But basically studios, movie studios, I mean, it's the coolest gig. Movie studios or TV shows will fly people like me and my guest and journalists, don't call me a journalist, but interviewers, people who do entertainment reports or do movie reports on television in major cities, they'll fly them wherever the movie press is taking place. You get to go see the movie, and then you get to meet the cast and interview them and have a great time. But the funny thing about this world, that's which I never knew before I started working in this way, was that there's just so many people, journalists and TV hosts that come from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, depending on the size of the movie, to talk with these casts, and then you end up hanging out with each other. So it's like a bunch of interviewers, kind of well-dressed people being like, hey, what'd you think of the movie? Oh, what'd you think of that? Oh, I know more. Oh, I did this. And it's almost like... It's funny because we all have similar interests, but everyone approaches it differently. And I've been grateful to be a part of them because I've actually made really good friends. And it's almost, it feels like, I want to say it feels like high school. I don't know if high school is the right word. Uh, it feels like, you know, when back in the day, you'd be like going to your first day of freshman year. Like I remember when I went to my first junket, it felt like my first day of freshman year of high school. And I was like, oh, look at that guy over there. Look at that. And then people now in the movie world, they have some really big platforms, including my guests, which I'm going to get to in a second, uh, who... They have big audiences that are watching their movie interviews, watching their cast interviews. These guys are experts in the field. Then I show up and I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to do this thing uh, with George Clooney where I start yelling Italian. And they all go, okay. <laughs> you know? But no, they're all a lot of good sports. And so I've always admired this guy. I've always kind of had a fun time hanging out with him at these things. And you do find, you end up finding friends. And I've been in similar vicinities with him and George Clooney, with him and the biggest stars in the world, Oprah. I mean, I'm name dropping because we are fortunate enough to cross paths and talk with these type of people all the time with this job. And I would say he's probably my closest junket friend. And recently I ran into him because of this world. I was like, hey, I got a new podcast. You should come on. He has a fantastic podcast called Insight with Chris Van Vliet. I just gave away his name, but I'll still get to the rest. And uh, he has an awesome podcast. And I listened to his and I was inspired by his when making this one. And so we've just kind of crossed over a lot over the years. And he was so gracious. He was like, absolutely, I'm going to come down. 
And that's what I love about the world of podcasting is like, there's just like kind of family style where if you're doing one, I want you on mine, I'll go on yours. And we kind of share each other's stories and in in each other's interviews. The funny thing about Chris though, is he's an interviewer. So I want you to remember that as you listen to this episode, I'm interviewing an interviewer. So he is interviewing me. Like, it's very funny to see that dynamic in this space when he's a great job. He does a great job and he listens and he answers questions, but he also like, I know it because I can't, I'm, I'm a pretty bad guest. Like I'd rather ask you questions. I can talk about things, but like I, I'm so inquisitive. And I think Chris is too. And that's honestly part of his magic. One last thing to tell you on this very, uh, fun, loving, long winded intro is when we recorded this episode, Chris's wife was expecting. Well, guess what? They had a beautiful baby girl. So I want to just start by saying congratulations to Chris. As you also listen to this, I want you to have the context of knowing we're talking about him about to become a father. And it's really beautiful to hear his anticipation now knowing that he's a dad. I want to welcome Chris to the dad club, the best job in the world. And then now I want to welcome you and him to the pop-up with Paul and friends. Chris Van Vliet, everybody. A thousand calories in the past 24 hours. You know how it is. I don't know if you do. You're a buff guy. A thousand calories is not very much. No? If you had a thousand calories in the last 24 hours, you'd be losing weight. I meant the last 10 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> then <laughs> That might be better. Did you just go to In-N-Out? I we saw, did. I saw an In-N-Out we cup did. over here. Kenny's visiting, so we're about to... We're about to uh, oh, where are you, know. you visiting from? New Jersey. Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then you have to go to In-N-Out. Oh. I live in Hoboken right now. Oh, my, boy, my wife is from Jersey. She is. Yeah. No wonder I like you. Yeah. I knew it. Sorry, I, New Jersey. Joyzy. Where's she from? She is from Stillwater. Is that a place? Not a place I've heard of. Okay. Is it? Maybe. She's from uh, like I went there and there were like horses and cows. Oh, it's so like the like country. But we flew into Newark and then okay. we drove like two hours. Is that by Sparta? No. Yes. He's he's from Sparta. Oh no way! Yeah, I know where Stillwater is. Oh, he knows. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a place. My my, uh, my wife grew up right there. Like we we stayed a night in Sparta. Her best friend lives in Sparta. It's beautiful. That's yeah. the opposite of what America knows of Jersey, like the Jersey Shore. Like yeah. it's like the country. There's horses. There's snow. I it's nice. I made some sort of comment on another episode where I said, "Oh, uh, my my wife's from Jersey, so she has a bit of a Jersey accent." And someone in the comments is like. Your wife is not from Jersey and clearly doesn't have a Jersey accent. Like, do your homework. And they were referring to that place in the UK, that little tiny island that's called Jersey. I'm like, no, no, no. The colloquial term for New Jersey yeah. in America is Jersey. Anyone who doesn't know Jersey as New Jersey is not worth a view. Like, should the show be called the New Jersey Shore, not yeah. Jersey Shore? Yeah, right. No, no, no. The show should be called I'm Glad It's Not On The Air Anymore. Oh, wait, it is. I think they're doing God something, right? It. I can't get rid of them. Hold on. I got to subscribe to your YouTube well, channel. Well, wait, and I have to follow you on TikTok. I just got to, oh. we're starting this episode with new following for both of us. And okay. Chris is huge on, on these things. So mm-hmm. the fact that your name's going to pop up and follow me is a big deal for me. I more just than you. followed you. Look at this, everybody. Chris, say your last name. Van Vliet. I, see, Chris I love Van you. Vliet. You, you got a show name, man. Chris Van Vliet. Mm. Van Vliet. Look at this. Is it I'm a following show name? You. It is. You can pronounce that easily, man. I think that if I was if I were to do it again, I would have made my last name V L E E T, so it would be phonetic mm. Van Vliet. Vliet. Or I would have just given myself a show name, an actual show name. Well, do you have a nickname like like were you like the the Fleet, the Van Fleet's coming in, the Vliet Fleet? That's pretty good. Fleet Week. The one man fleet. fleet, Chris Van Vliet. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Chris the Meat Van Vliet. Yeah. Meet my no, Vliet. 
I didn't. Ooh. I was a backyard wrestler in high school, and my backyard wrestling name was Chris Sharp. Because he was sharp talking, nice. sharp walking, sharp dressing. Damn, dude. Yeah. And you still are all those things. I'm st- Oh, thank you very you much. You are. Wow. You I should have wore a blazer like you. So a lot of my friends in high school just called me Sharp, Sharpie, nice. the sharpness. In fact, when I got to college, people thought that was my real last name. I should have carried that over to the why, TV career. Why did sharp. you? Why did you leave the name behind? Well, because I was a backyard wrestler for a few years, and then I, you know, got smart and realized probably one of us is probably going to break our neck if we keep doing this. Yeah. You know, by the time this episode ends, I might see how well you do with uh, hitting me with a chair. You still get Ooh. that in you or what? Yeah, I can hit you with a chair. Yeah? Yeah, I could probably like maybe a little punch. How much of that training has come out in your life since then? Backyard wrestling <laughs> is is pretty wild. Like that's like uncharted, right? There's no rules, I feel like. And nobody knows what they're doing. Right. Like, you're just seeing the stuff you see on Monday nights and going, oh yeah, I can kind of do that. And it started on a trampoline, which doesn't hurt. And then we moved it to like those very thin blue gym mats. <laughs> but then I actually did train. Mm. I went to pro wrestling school when I was 20. That's cool. So I learned how to correctly fall, run the ropes, do some like basic maneuvers. But then I was like, all right, I got to decide here. Because I was going in the summer between like school years, mm. between like college years. And when school started back up, I had to decide like, do I go to wrestling school or do I go to school school? And I'm like, I think like I'll get the degree and wrestling will always be there. Was this combo in your head or with your parents? Oh, my parents hate wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> my parents do not like wrestling. So the conversation with them was, hey, I'm going to go to wrestling school. And they said, no, you're not. And I said, well, I told you I'm going, so I'm going. Right, right, sure. Yeah. How did that happen for you? Were you just a kid who loved wrestling growing up? Not really. Um, it just kind of happened. And I'm like one of those people that when I get into something, I dive all the way into mm-hmm. it. And I had a best friend at the time. This was the late 90s. Because we're about the same age. Yeah. And you would do this crazy thing back in the 90s, if you recall, called talking on the phone. Right. right. Weird. With a cord. Yes. And like you were sitting there on the actual phone. and like, Or if it was the cordless, you had to charge it. Oh, yeah. Beep, beep, beep. So I would, we would talk on the phone almost every day. But I knew on Mondays at 9 o'clock, our call would abruptly come to an end because Monday Night Raw was starting. And then one Monday I said, all right, man, I'll put it on. We can watch. And then during the next commercial break, we'll like finish our thought. And I just got sucked into it. Mm -hmm. It was The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mm -hmm. The Undertaker, Triple H. Vince McMahon was a big character at the time. And I just got sucked into it. And that's what made me a huge fan. That's amazing. That's also like the heyday of professional wrestling. I agree. The Attitude Era was just massive. Like those entrances to like a face. uh, So much of the acting more than anything, I feel like. They just were walking in. Ready to fight, ready for drama. So much of it. Yeah. And that really brought me into it. I think so much of who I am now was because during my formidable years, I watched a lot of pro wrestling. Like The Rock was such a huge inspiration, whether he knew it or not. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward all these years later and we get to share a conversation with him. Yeah. It blows the mind of the 16-year-old inside sure, of me. Sure, sure. Well, that's what I really love and respect about your career is like you've kind of morphed. And I think this happens for a lot of us who choose to host and interview things. Your passions have collided, right? You have yeah. a huge platform. You do wrestling interviews all the time. So that backyard kid is still there, <laughs> yeah. but he's talking instead of you know breaking, you know, pulling a hernia or whatever happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny in our world how if you're a really big fan of comic book movies – that you'll you'll shine when you're doing those type of interviews. Or if you loved horror films growing up, like you shine when you're talking to those 
uh, actors and directors. So for me, like when I get to speak to people like The Rock or Cena or Dave Batista, like I feel like I'm speaking their language. Mm -hmm. And then within the wrestling space, like I'm just excited to talk to anybody, WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, I'll name a whole bunch of other letters you've never heard of, but mm -hmm. yeah, all these different companies. How in the nitty gritty are you with wrestling today? Like you, you're very, you're diehard with your audience and your interviews, like you, I don't know much beyond the mainstream wrestling. So. Yeah, and I think that that's all you really need to know. Well, how deep are you going? Are you still like seeing sketchy, illegal backyard activity? Ooh, I went to an independent wrestling show last week. Anybody die? No, no one, <laughs> no one died. Although I've been to, I've been to some of those death matches. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. So there's, <laughs> but I want to go with you and I'll take you, I'll take you to a death match. That'd be awesome. There's a style of wrestling called death match. And they will do the most insane things. They will suplex each other through like glass plates. So like a cool. big, big glass plate, they'll uh, suplex each other through that. They'll like wrap a baseball bat in barbed wire and hit each other in the head. Oh my gosh. There's this one where like, they're like skewers, like you would put like meat on and they will take like a fistful of skewers and like jam it in someone's forehead, and, like pound it in with a hammer. What? They'll light things on fire. This yeah. is the, this is what should be televised. That's legit. If that was televised, I don't think that streamed. That, uh, yeah, that it, would do well. Yeah, there's a company called GCW okay. that does a really good job of those style of matches. Damn, so, I like that, that exists. It's it's. it's I scary. think GCW is in town soon, so I'll take you. I would seriously love to go. And it just, is like, wild. I mean, I, the only thing I could think of is I went to a UFC fight once at the Garden, and it was like the it was. So barbaric and amazing. Like, I'd yeah. be like, oh, I don't want him to get hurt. The second we got in there, I was really chugging a beer. I was like, kill him! <laughs> kill him! Yeah! You just like get hyped, you know? That's the, what wrestling is too, though. The wildest thing about seeing UFC live is how loud those kicks oh, are yeah, in person. The cracks. Because when you see it on TV, you're like, oh, yeah, they're hitting each other. But when you're there in person and you're hearing every kick is like, yeah. And the guy doesn't even flinch. Yeah. I, I, if I got hit once, I'd cry for a Me few too. Hours. I'd be like, that's it. I'm tapping yeah, out. Yeah. Tap on myself. You ever get back in the ring, uh, literally? Like, you ever want to fight or you have no, that urge? Not It's anymore. just entrances for you. You still have the entrances in your, in your head. I do. When you walk and into the people's room. eyebrow. Yeah, you got that. I wanted to be a pro wrestler so bad. That was 20 when I trained. So, I mean, that is half a lifetime ago now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, nobody wants to see me getting into the ring now. But I still love that, like, I'm passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I love watching it. But no, I think those days have are long behind. Me. You all you picked a healthier choice in a yes. way, right? Oh, all my friends that are my age that have been wrestling for their whole career, you know, things hurt when they get out of bed. Yeah. Now. Well, you know, football players have that like they get hit in the head so many times they have that what is that thing called CTE? again? Like, yeah, like yeah. I can't imagine what pro wrestlers have without helmets. Like, have you seen some of the clips from back in the day where the rocks like swinging a chair at someone's head? Yeah. Like there's a very famous match with Mick Foley, Mankind, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he hits him in the head, like completely unprotected. There's a moment where Mick Foley's hands are handcuffed behind his back. He's just hitting him in the head with a steel chair. That really wouldn't happen now. Yeah. It's gotten softer, no? It's definitely gotten, I don't think that's the word for it. I think it's just, it, it reaches a broader audience now. And there was a moment without getting too deep into it where WWE became a publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. And then they went from a, a TV 14 rating to a PG rating. And I think they went, okay, let's make this so that all audiences of all ages can appreciate this and enjoy this. Mm. I think in general, the professional sports have gotten softer. Is that just me? 
romanticizing like people fouling people in basketball and getting Ooh, away with yeah. it. I don't know. I, I think when you watch like the Showtime Lakers, yeah, and like the games they That's were what playing, I mean. yeah, rough, or like some of the hits that quarterbacks took even just twenty years ago, yeah. Well, even talking about you know we just had the Super Bowl like that that guy got a hold call. Yeah, I don't know if that would have been called twenty years ago. I don't even think that was a hold. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, I think refs a lot more is called. Like, that's why that you know death death matching is something I think we're craving <laughs> but, because but then, we want. But then I also think there's a certain sector of society that sees like the slap fighting that just came out. Have you seen oh, that? Yeah, see, yeah. We're like, that's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. Because like you know that these dudes are getting hit in the head with no protection. Yeah, but think about the perspective. A thousand years ago, it was a death match. They were just, you know, getting murdered <laughs> yeah. for sports. Like we real were, life gladiators. Real life gladiators, and we were clapping. So it's gotten a little better. We don't have public beheadings. We're doing a little bit better. Yeah, maybe. Are we? I don't know. I don't know. Do you either. think we are? I don't know. Are you not entertained? Yeah, that's all it is. That's all. It's about the entertainment. Is that not one of the greatest movie lines of the last thirty years, dude? And that that has the slow. Is that Gladiator? Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah. I talked to Gerard Butler recently oh, for cool. that movie Plane, which I thought was a really fun movie. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm talking to Gerard Butler. What's the first thing that pops into your mind with Gerard Butler? It's this is Sparta. Yeah. So I'm like, I gotta ask him about that. And I put like I the way I phrased it was like you have one of the most iconic movie lines of like the last twenty years. And he told me the whole story of how that line came together. And I'm like, if you really think of the last twenty years, it's not a ton of like really iconic phrases. No, I'm trying to even think of one that stands out above that one. Show me the money, maybe. Ooh, uh, that's, that's a, a good, good one. one. But that's nineteen ninety six. Damn, you would know that better than me. Come on, you're into movies too. Not at the level I feel like you might be. This is what mm. I want people to understand about us, because it's also amazing having you on the show. You're a professional interviewer. So were you. I pro, quote unquote, but it's funny interviewing an interviewer. Yeah, like, it's I don't always even so think interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you and I, I want people to know the behind the scenes of show business. You and I have sat in hotels and random places yeah. with 30 of us, 40 of us, yeah. waiting to go into rooms with the biggest stars in the world yeah. to do what we're doing now. Yeah. Part of the reason I'm doing this show is I have more than five minutes with people I'm interested in. Yeah. You know, Because a lot of the time you get whisked in. People don't know this. There's a crew of people. There's big lights. And it's The Rock. It's George Clooney. And you yeah. sit down. You say, And you have to say your name and who you're with. Basically give the cred. And I always make a bad joke. Like I say my name, I say my company weird. I say National Broadcasting Company for NBC. And I always like, oh, that's what they used to call it. That's what it stands for. And I then feel we like it always stars. ruins the flow of the conversation. Because you get in, you shake their hand, especially if it's someone you have a little bit of a rapport with. Yeah. Oh man, good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. And they're like, say your name, name an outlet, please. Yeah, yeah. Name an outlet. It's name all an business. outlet. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, so it is good to see Chris Van Vliet, KLAS. So yeah, man, how's everything been? And yeah. like it totally ruins the flow. Yeah, don't they know? Don't they know who we're working for in those settings at that point? Where we, yeah, we do them enough? Can't they put a, a name to a face? And I yeah. get why they do it. Yeah, they got to document it. I had one time where I got somebody's interview files, and yeah. I didn't realize it till days later. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is why they do it. How were you like disappointed? Like, you think I look like him? <laughs> <laughs> we had similar features, so I could understand it. But I was like, ooh, I should have checked these files sure. earlier because I really need the correct one in like an hour. Yeah. And they, sure enough, got it to me like that. Now, how often are you doing interviews for TV? Probably three, four times a month. Nice. What about you? Uh, 
I don't do junkets as much. Like junkets are what we're talking about with these yeah, interviews. Yeah. I don't do them maybe like every every once a month, maybe sometimes, oh, okay. sometimes less. I'm like the throwaway guy who's here who like, oh, we can maybe get him if other people aren't doing them. Oh, come on. I'm not the main guy. I never was. Who's the main guy at your station? There's a, no, there's a girl in New York who does them all the time. My friend Joelle oh, does them a lot for yeah. New York. And then LA, sometimes I get people. But it's funny because I've never felt like there's a there's an interesting like social construct that happens at these things like yeah. <laughs> i'm glad we're friends i always feel like the outcast of these things because you have people from all over the country that come together to interview stars and everyone knows each other yeah and i've known <laughs> you for a long time but like we, you know do you remember what the first junket we met on was Mev in hawaii oh for you, jurassic for world i didn't oh, i did do that one or jumanji no, I didn't do Jumanji. Actually, I didn't do I didn't do Jurassic World. You I, didn't? I did Jumanji. Oh, that's so funny. I think it was a, a New York junk. Maybe, yeah. But so what's fun is like we do meet, they're all great people too. I'm not like That's also talking. amazing that we have no idea when we met. No idea when we met. We've seen each other amongst <laughs> the stars for many, many years. It's a funny job that I think not a lot of people share yeah. in common. Are you a huge movie buff? Like, cause I, I what's funny to me is I feel insecure because like everyone's talking the lingo of movies at these things. And I am not like a connoisseur of any of it. I literally go in there and I'm like, let's do a bit. Like I'm like not going in with movie stuff. In but my that's head. why you do so well. Well, I try. But I'm saying, are you nitty gritty movie guy? Like you really I, in the weeds? I love movies, but I'm nowhere even in the same conversation as someone like my good friend Kevin McCarthy, right? Who can tell you like the third AD on a film and like he could tell you who the director of photography is and the last 17 films that person's worked on. Damn. And I'm nowhere close to that. I can be like, oh, we're talking about like David Fincher and I could like name three of his films or something like yeah. that. Or, oh, this actor, you'll know them from this, this, and this. But I'm nowhere on that level of like, Kevin McCarthy will see like a trailer and like when the names start to pop up, he'll be like, oh, no way. Oh my God. This sounds like a Hans Zimmer score. That's incredible. True buff, like knows it yes. all. Yes. And like, wow. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there sure. with that. Sure, But well, you know, you can't be a... I love wrestling and I love, I love the things I love are such niche things, mm -hmm. bass fishing and pro <laughs> wrestling. And I very much love broadcasting, but like, I think you can only <laughs> dive so deep into each one of them. Sure. What is the worst like foot in your mouth moment? Cause if you're not as much of a buff, have you ever like messed up details? Cause we've done this so long. Yeah. Like, what's a moment where you, you stands out to you? That's funny. Like in the room with a star or director. Well, or something. first of all, what was your first junket? It was uh, the Butler. Oh, okay. And it, and it was open. Yeah. Name wow. drop. Lee Daniels, the Butler. So yeah. that was like two thousand nine. And that was that was with I was working for iHeartRadio at the time, and they sent me after because some guy, audio guy dropped out. Wow. And I was like, put me on camera with Oprah. I was like, I'm wow. gonna be in this. Yeah. It's Oprah Winfrey. So mine Didn't was see the movie. <laughs> And interviewed all of them. Go ahead. Mine was around the same time. Two thousand eight was my first. I'll call who, it flyaway junket. It? it was. Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, nice, and Wally. So it was the DVD release of those films. Oh wow! And I was working in Toronto at the time, and I couldn't believe it. My boss was like, "Hey, what are you doing on these dates?" And I'm like, "I don't know, nothing." He goes, "Do you want to fly to LA for these interviews?" I'm like, "Yeah, but like, how much is that going to cost?" He's like, "Oh no, like Disney's going to pay for it." I'm right? Like, Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know that this was a thing. And then, just like you said, you get into this world that is already very established and you're the new person it's like being it's funny yeah it's like being the new kid in class like yeah. you just moved to a new city so to answer your other question 
there's a I have a viral moment with Anne Hathaway. Oh yes, you do. <laughs> Where I didn't I didn't really put my foot in my mouth, but I just didn't phrase the question in the best possible way. Yeah, I'll probably cut to it, but just remind me what it, <laughs> you want to say. And again. here it is. Yeah. So she had just the first photos of her as Catwoman had just come out for The Dark Knight Rises. And I was interviewing her for this other film called One Day. And you know me, I'm into like fitness and diet and like exercise. And I wanted to ask a question about like her diet and workout routine, but I just didn't phrase it in the best possible <laughs> way. Cut to the clip. You're such a pro. <clears throat> so yeah, so I just, I, I kind of walked out of that going, she had fun with it and it was a, a fun, lighthearted moment, but she very quickly was like, oh, what a forward young man you are. And I just, I was trying to ask her, like, what does your diet and workout routine look like to get into the amazing shape yeah. that you're into? And instead I said, how much weight did you have to lose to <laughs> you know, get into the shape we're seeing you in in this movie? Yeah. So fun moment. It could have gone much worse. And I've interviewed her many times since. And you're cool now. But you know what? That's a hard thing about just being in front of cameras in the world we're in is out of context, like, you know... I always joke about this show, like five years from now, something I say on this chair is going to get me canceled because out of context, you were, you meant well, but the internet probably went like, look at this man talking about her weight, right? Yeah, yeah. it's now part of all these compilation clips where people are like, uh, you know, the look at the time celebrities shut down reporters. Dude, we, you and I, I cannot believe us, I have to find this. You and I have to be in the same BuzzFeed article because I am also on a post about like men doing things to women in interviews. And mine was with Ariana Grande. What did you do? I offered her, it's the first, by the way, Ariana Grande was very newly famous. She was like not, she just hit the map, right? Okay. I go, this, I never thought this was even gonna be a thing. I, I was the first person to do the Grande joke to her, basically. I was like a, a, a Grande for Grande and I had the Starbucks cup. And at the end of the interview, I was like, drink it. That, very innocent, right? That's what I said. And she yeah. was like, <laughs> she thought it was funny. She went along with it, right? Fast forward like five years later, I, a gif of me saying drink it is on that article. And it's like 20 times no interviewers way. made women celebrity, male interviewers made women celebrities feel uncomfortable. And it's me going, drink it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's it's yeah. like we're 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 doing our jobs. I was trying to make a funny moment with her. I wasn't roofing Ariana Grande. Okay. It's also so hard to create a moment in those junkets. Yeah. For two reasons. One, they've been answering the same questions for weeks. And like you said, there's 30 or 40 people that are doing interviews that day. So you're trying to do something different and you're trying to break them out of that routine that they're in. But at the same time, and I'm sure it's happened to you, you could ask a, a, a very different question and they're gonna give you the same answer. Yeah, they're actors, a lot of them. Nothing is more heartbreaking than sitting in hospitality and eavesdropping in on some of the other interviews that are playing and going, he said the same thing to me. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. You got to think, though, a lot of actors, a lot of famous people who do these these interviews, they're acting a part of like being a charming actor in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like a lot mm -hmm. of them just want to come off well for their job. Like they're checking the list. I did the interviews. The, look, the know? best people do that. Yeah. But then there's other people that are like, I'm an actor. What right. am I doing here? Yeah. Because acting's maybe 50% of it. Then mm -hmm. you got to do the promotion of the film. And sure. That whole publicity tour that you go on. Well, that's where I struggle sometimes with actors specifically in interviews. It's like I kind of talk about it like they're all palling around all the time mm. when I know it's serious work for actors. Mm. And I don't want to rail against actors because I love interviewing them. But at the end of the day, also, like, 
You're just acting. Well, but they're also acting at the top of level. Course. They're the best of the of best course. in the world. But I mean, like I've I've been misunderstood in moments where I'm kind of like, so do you guys goof around or like what's it like? And like it's like, no, we're in the moment and mm. we're committed and we're. Yes, I know, but like, you guys party after? Like you know, I'm like I'm saying dumb things and like you know. Have like, you had any like really embarrassing moments in the junket world? Yeah. Um. Well, my first junket comes to mind is I was really excited because I knew Oprah was in the movie. And they sent me last minute. So usually you go see the movie before you do the interview. Yeah. I never saw that movie. And then I sat down with the director and he, then he found out I didn't see the movie and he made me leave. And that was my Ooh. first one. I could see Lee Daniels wanting and, to do and that. And he was like, you didn't see the movie? Never you mind. You told him that? Yes, because it came up and I couldn't be dishonest. He was like, wow. what do you think of the film? And I was like, I didn't see it. <laughs> and then he kicked you out of the room. And then we're like, uh, we're not going to do the interview. It was so awkward. And this, I had just met Oprah, though. So I was like, blind. I was like, this is amazing. Wow. And in my mind, I was like, I don't know you. I was like, I know Oprah. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't in this world. Didn't he get nominated for an Oscar? He's for an that incredible film? director. Yeah. I didn't know the world that I was new to it. I was all about Oprah. Wow. So that was pretty awkward. Got, yeah. Have you interviewed Samuel L. Jackson? I have not. I wish. So he's great and obviously supremely talented, but he's so intense. Really? So, yeah. So. In a lighthearted, fun way, but you'll ask him a question, and he will just stare at you. So you ask him, you know, just a generic question of like, oh, what was it like being on set with that person for the first time? And he'll be like, and it's only a second or two, but it feels like an hour. And then I'll be like, well, let me tell you about being on set with that person. And you're like, oh, and he does it for every question that you ask. Jeez. So every single time he's just staring at you. Wow. Staring through your soul. Damn. So I can't wait for your first interview with him. Is it is Samuel are you are you, are you hypothesizing Samuel Jackson's a robot and he's computing the human question <laughs> and taking what a I'm, second? What I'm hypothesizing is I think he likes to make people squirm. Yeah. I yeah. Have I, you heard the stories about um Tommy Lee Jones no. in interviews? Oh, yeah, he he just he doesn't want to be there. Oh god. And I think he purposely makes it uncomfortable for the mm. people that he's interviewing. Or that he's being interviewed by? Yeah. You know what's funny? For me, personally, I like awkward. Then you will just soar with the eagles. No, no, I'll sweat. But I like I like those moments. I like... I li like, like, I'm trying to make one right now with you. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if you can get awkward with me. I don't know. You, you want to make it experience? awkward? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's possible, but... I, I, I found, because I've done interviewing for a long time, I do like sitting, like, do you ever just follow the weirdness of the guests? Like, oh, they're, they're yes. going in a different direction. We got to go somewhere else. I sat down recently with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. What was up with them? There was a internet. They're in a, they're in a Netflix movie. I know, but there was something going viral about their red carpet photos being weird or something. Oh, I didn't see that. How was it? Great. So I walked in and I just, you know, I, I said, no, nice to meet you. And I said to Ashton, I said, I loved you on Shark Tank. Because he's he was a, like a guest shark on a few of the okay. episodes, and Reese was like, "You were on Shark Tank," and he's like, "Oh yeah, I was on Shark Tank." And then they started having a conversation amongst themselves for like two minutes yeah. about the TV shows that they like and that they're watching. And I just kind of sat back mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this is great." And then about two minutes into it, Reese turns to me and goes, "I am so sorry. Mm. This is your time, and we're taking it." Yeah, I'll give him another minute because we've been talking so long. Sure. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. Sure. But what was I supposed to do? Like, oh, excuse me, some of the most famous people in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to speak now. Yeah. Hey, this is my time, damn it. <laughs> right. 
Come on. I don't care about <laughs> Legally Blonde. Five. That's not what we were there for. I was trying to make a joke. Three, right? Yeah, probably. It's in the works. See, you know better. You know movies better than me. I did test out some dad jokes on them, though. Really? Yeah, because I'm going to be a father, as you know. I'm so excited for you, man. Congrats. Thank you. And that movie has like a big parenting element in it. So I was like, well, let me test out some dad jokes, see how I'm doing. How are you doing? I think okay. Like, uh, let me give you one. Um, Sunday was a sad day, but the day before was a sadder day. Wow. I like it. That's pretty good. Nice. I had one today. Um, so my wife got me an early Valentine's present. Wow. And it was a dad joke calendar. Beautiful. So every day I get a new dad joke. So today's dad joke was, I, mean, I want to make sure I get it right. So let me read it out here. It was, do birds know where they're going when they fly south for the winter? Or do they just wing it? Hey! <laughs> now let me give you a little hint. Dad jokes work because you enjoy them. So you could say any joke under the sun. You got to make sure no matter what your wife or child feel or anybody around you, yeah. if you're laughing and having a good time, that is the definition of a dad joke. Love it. It's basically becoming a sociopath around other people's feelings <laughs> and what they think is funny. <laughs> I think this is funny. I'm a dad. I don't care if you think it's funny. That's the key I've found. I love it. Because you got to find comedy as life gets more responsible. You know, more responsible. You've got two kids? Yeah, i got wow. two now. Now, wait a second. You are a dad. I have to give you a gift, man. You're about to be a dad. You're gonna, oh, I'll take your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're about to be in the dad club. So this is usually what people give out once the baby's here. But we're going to... Oh, gonna, my gosh. jump start it for Chris here. Do you smoke cigars? Not very often. Well, you're going to have to start. Okay. Congratulations. Early congrats. Wow. Thank, why don't you play me a song, too? Yeah, well, listen. Um, I play you, a little guitar. Do you? Yeah. Oh, you should play for us. If oh, you, what uh, do you got? If you don't want to smoke that, you can wow. just break it over someone's back and bring it back to your roots. Mm, that's what you're supposed to do with these, right? Here, this is, this is missing a string, but you can do something. How about this? You know what? Because we're here recording, having fun. and I, What string are we missing? Uh, Easter bunnies one. get dumped deep. There you go. Easter buddies get dumped after Easter. Why don't you try? I'm excited for you to become a dad, and you're probably very excited. So maybe you could do a little... I'm about to be a dad joke dad. That's maybe the tune you could do right now. I'll help you. Okay. What's the tune? Go ahead. Play some chords. I'll help you. Oh, yeah. It's very sad. It's very emo. I like it. That was very emo. Keep going. Hold on. Oh, we're just knocking things over. Really missing that string would be, uh, you know. You sound good. I'll get, you, I'll get you some words. Don't worry. I got some words for you. There we go. Okay. I'll just G, <clears throat> C, D. There you go. C. We're so excited. Chris is going to be a dad. He's going to laugh at his own jokes and not care if there was fun that was had Woo! by his wife or his kid. As long as he kids. Around and doesn't care at the cafe who's laughing anymore Cause dad's gonna be a dad Chris gonna be a dad Chris is gonna be a dad He's gonna be a dad Talk about you Yes! Woo! Congrats, man! Oh, now you man. have a little theme song I'll get you a D string for uh, your birthday Well, yeah, well, you know, we're trying to get sponsors And until we do, <laughs> we can't really wow. afford strings You sounded good, man That's the first man. time I played a guitar on a podcast You sounded good See, I'm glad you did one earlier I wanted you to do something different for us, Dude, you know 
you came up with some lyrics on the spot. I tried, you know. That was great. You know, you were talking about wrestling being your passion. Music's my passion. So I feel the way you feel about wrestlers, I feel with artists and musicians. Who's your well, favorite? I married one. I married an artist. Wow. Because I was like, let's talk music. Now we don't. We talk about diapers. <laughs> my favorite artist? Yeah. Are the Beatles of all. I was named after Paul McCartney. So definitely the Beatles are top. That's like a cliche answer, but it's definitely true. I know every song, you know, wow. listen to them my whole life. But then I like all the rap pack and the Sinatra era jazz guys too like dean martin is probably my favorite entertainer of all time i always find it fascinating when someone loves music from a different generation i think yeah. it's an amazing thing yeah that era i mean we, we just rented a 73 cadillac all weekend we we're driving wow. around for my buddy who's in town and we literally exclusively listened to frankie valley doo-wop and like and sinatra and those guys oh so, man yeah. Sinatra's so good i love that era man i love I it i was listening to that on saturday as i was i was driving <laughs> Driving my parents to go on a cruise. So my parents nice. flew in from nice. Canada. And then they took a cruise out of Long Beach down to Cabo. And I started, I was like, let me put a let me put on a song to get you guys in the mood. It's just being like silly and goofy. <laughs> and I put on Sailing and Takes Me Away. You know that song? Oh yeah. And then that turned into a um, I was like, well, then next week you're going to fly home. So I was like, uh, well, let me put on another song. Fly me to the That's moon. That's the best. That's the best. And then it turned into we were just listening to all that music. Why do I feel like you like first attracted your wife at a karaoke night? Like, Oh, what, I what, wish. What's your go-to karaoke? <sighs> I'm going to give you two. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, of course, it's um, A Whole New World. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the duet song, right? You kind of look like a version of Aladdin, I oh think. Oh my gosh, thank right? you. Right? Wow, I'll take it. Yeah, I feel like you could. If you my mom it. was born in Greece, so you know, pretty that's, far from that's where it was, the Arabian right? Nights. <laughs> Kalamata Nights! I went but to the first the, Greek cliche. Go ahead. The go-to is for sure I want it that way. Oh, wow. By the Backstreet yeah. Boys. What's yours? Uh, it's Love Shack. Oh, baby. Love Shack, baby. Because I sang it in a wedding band, and I still sing it for karaoke. That's so good. Yeah. I, a fun fact, I know all of the words to LFO's Summer Girls. Oh, wow. So if that is ever on the karaoke playlist, I bust that out Dude, that's time. a classic. Remember that song? Yeah, I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch, yeah. I take her if I had one wish. Even if I had... She's been gone since the summer. That's it. Since the since summer. Since the summer, yeah. So if that song is ever on there... And there's people about our age around. I'll mm -hmm. bust that one out. And people are like, no way. Cherry Pez, Cold Crush, Rockstar Boogie. Used to hate school, so I had to play hooky. Always been hip to the B-boy style. Known to act wild and make a girl smile. Don't stop. Love new addition in a candy girl. Remind me of you because you rock my world. Come from Georgia where the peaches grow. They drink lemonade and speak real slow. And then so on. Yo, that is the sexy Greek Aladdin right there. I've never seen him. Wow. <laughs> I like that. You look good, man. You sound good. Except uh, if you're from Greece, your name's probably like Nick. Nick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick, Nikki, Nico. Wait, tell me the history. <laughs> I don't know this about you, and, and I never asked you this. We talked about it briefly, but I know you were, grew up in Canada. Yeah. Your family was from Greece? or My part? mom is Macedonian. Oh, nice. My mom's Macedonian, moved to Canada when she was four. Got it. My dad grew up in Canada. That side of the family has been in uh, North America since 1651. Oh, okay, cool. Crazy. I'm like 10th generation nice. North American on that side. Nice. But I moved to the States in 2010. Cool. Chasing What's, after a job. What was it like growing up? So you did the backyard wrestling in Canada. <laughs> yeah, in Canada. What was it like? What is the view of, like, it's kind of interesting to think, like, here you are in Hollywood now, living your dream. You have a robust YouTube, all your social, people watch your work. What was it like growing up in Canada and then, like, kind of living out to, like, being in the Mecca now in Hollywood? 
the funny thing, and I think maybe you can relate to this, is like people view LA as like, once you're living in LA, you're doing it. You've yeah. made it. Especially at home. Right. Where we're from, yeah. Where's, where's your hometown? Jersey, Jersey. Well, right. Hillsdale, right by Paramus up north. So the yeah. funny thing about moving out here is people are like, man, like the perception is you live in LA, you've made it. Yeah. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they move out here and that's the end goal. Mm -hmm. When really it should be step one in the process of like, you move to LA and then the work begins. Right. And too many people move out here and go, man, it's February and it's 83 degrees. Life is so good. Yeah. And so I think that there's that perception from certainly my friends and family back home. I'm sure, it's the same for you. Yeah. But I grew up thinking anything was possible. That's I grew great. up going like, oh, that person is doing that thing that I want to do. Well, how'd they do that? Mm -hmm. I want to figure that out. And before I even knew what reverse engineering was, I was certainly doing it in my life. Yeah. Like I wasn't afraid before the internet was a big thing. I wasn't afraid to like call up the fishing magazine that I loved and like ask for the editor and be like, Hey, I was just wondering about this uh, largemouth bass lure that you posted. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to like write letters yeah. to people that I admired or magazines that I read. And I think that that is a, it's, that's gone. I think that yeah. there's, like, there's a lot of people that are just scared of hearing no. So they don't bother taking the first step of making that phone call, writing that email, sure. knocking on that door. That's what I think I'm attracted to in you and I relate to a lot with what you're building online and beyond. It's like you have to, I don't think that hustle ever ends no. for, for creators, but for people who want to do big things. And there is this illusion with showbiz. I think, I think I would say also our lives as interviewers of stars has shown us inside in a way like the biggest stars in the world to me, I've always said this, roll their sleeves up and, and work really hard and do really cool things. And like, Absolutely. you see that firsthand, you go like, they probably came to LA with nothing. You know, they came to LA with nothing or New York, yeah. wherever they were. It doesn't go away if you're famous or making a lot of money. Yeah. I think people think it does. And I think there's this perception that the people who are the most successful got lucky. Or it yeah. must be nice if, insert the, you know, fill in the blank here, and they don't see the hard work that no goes way. into it. Yeah. And I that that bothers me so much to realize like, you know, this the infamous story of Brad Pitt in like the chicken suit on Hollywood Boulevard just to be able to make money to pay rent. Yeah. And people just see him in movies now and go, well, yeah, if I was born with those genetics, I'd be as famous and as rich as him too. Would you? Would you be willing to put in the hard work? Listen, there's people with Brad Pitt's genetics now in jail. So <laughs> absolutely, that's just, we had, that's just a good leveler. I, I wonder all the time how many uh, NBA players could have been NBA players are playing basketball at the YMCA yeah. or playing basketball at LA Fitness just because they didn't believe in themselves enough sure. or they didn't have a great team or coach around them. Like how many failed actors, musicians, yeah. NFL players are among us and just didn't put in the effort to get there? You reminded me of, it's a, my biggest fear and insecurity, but the quote that always comes back to me in a, a move, talking movies is a Bronx tale. You know the quote? No, no. There's nothing worse than wasted talent. Mm, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I think it's uh, close to that. But that's basically what you're describing. It's like there's so many factors that go into being successful in your field. Have you found, though, that your dream has morphed a little based on the times in the world? Because like starting out, was the dream TV? Was the dream? Yeah. So you did that. You're doing that. Yeah. And it's morphed just because the broadcasting model has changed so much. Right. Like I started in television in 2005. 
like YouTube didn't exist then. Social media really Damn. wasn't a thing. Like Facebook was in its infancy. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter obviously didn't exist. Mm -hmm. But what's shifted so much, and I think what's so interesting, is it's gone from broadcasting, like taking the giant wad of spaghetti and throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks, to now it's niche casting. Mm -hmm. Like if you wanted to pull up YouTube right now and watch the Foo Fighters playing Learn to Fly live in concert, you could spend the next three days just watching those videos. Yeah. That didn't exist in 2005 or anytime earlier. Mm -hmm. You would turn on MTV and like hope to see the song that you liked, maybe right. at some point. And I think that that shifted it so much. Like the fact that I could, if I wanted to, exclusively interview just pro wrestlers and make a living on it, like that's insane to me yeah that never existed before but to your point it's taken that hustle of the kid calling the, the magazine that is still in you right that you're like you built you i mean tell me the numbers with the youtube from when you started you've grown that thing well, your facebook they've grown like crazy it, it was just the realization that like we had the good fortune of being able to talk to some of the biggest names on the planet mm -hmm. and especially like when the dc movies and the marvel movies were really getting big in like the 2010s Twilight movies were really big then, mm -hmm. the Hunger Game movies. I'm like, man, if I'm talking to Robert Pattinson about Twilight or I'm talking to Jennifer Lawrence about Hunger Games, it kind of sucks that the only people that are going to see this interview are the people that happen to be living in Cleveland where I was on TV. Right. They happen to have their television on, tuned into Channel 19, and on this particular Thursday at 4.17 p.m., they're watching. Mm -hmm. I thought, man, that kind of sucks. What if you're a Jennifer Lawrence fan and you live in Ireland? Yeah. Or you live in Australia? So I just started taking those raw interviews and just putting them on my YouTube channel and going, here, fellow fans of these people, mm -hmm. enjoy this. And it kind of just grew from there. That's amazing, man. You did it at a good time, too. And, you and nobody else was doing it. Yeah. That's, so what, what year are we talking? 2011 is when I started my current YouTube channel. Wow. And I, I had a YouTube channel in 2007, so I was on MTV2 in Canada. Nice. We were interviewing a lot of bands there. And the same thing, like, if you're a huge fan of this particular band, you're going to want to eat up all their content, like every interview they've ever done, every live performance. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sure, like, should I be posting these interviews? Like, I don't want the TV station to get mad, so I created this, like, burner account. <laughs> and I was just putting up these interviews. And they're still there. Like, those interviews are still online. But I'm just like, I wanted more people to be able to see them. Yeah. I didn't want them to just live on TV for that exact moment in time yeah. and then be gone. It's funny hearing you talk about 2011 because it is still that way for, for TV. Yeah, no, Most TV, and we love our jobs, right? But they don't really think about digital. There's two different worlds that are still colliding mm. where they go, yes, digital is important, but like we're broadcast and we still do it this way. And, and oddly, a lot of the interviews we book still care more about big network names and TV broadcasts yeah. when numbers-wise, it's like, for example, love my NBC work. My last few moments with stars have done really well on my social media and, yep. and aired once on TV in New York. And I think that weird? we're in a really weird in-between phase right now where I don't know if broadcasting companies are really sure how to deal with this. I certainly don't know if the movie studios are really sure how to like aggregate these numbers. Like, yeah, it airs on NBC, and it'll also be on TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. But man, still being on NBC is like that's still a big anchor, and I get Which it. Which is great for us still working. For yeah, that. and I'm I'm on the CBS station in Vegas. Like, it's a huge thing. It's awesome. But I and I understand why that is still an anchor because you had to earn that spot right. on TV. 
you auditioned for it, you're there every day, you're on the payroll, where sometimes it's perceived when you're a YouTuber of like, oh, that's that's really cute. Like my nephew has a YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, you have a podcast? Oh, wow. My aunt has a podcast about knitting. <laughs> and like, I get it. Yeah. Because the best thing about podcasting is anyone can do it. Yeah. And the worst thing about podcasting is anyone can do Correct. it. Correct. Because the barrier of entry is so low. So like, you've got this wide arbitrage of like the best of the best, like Joe Rogan, who's getting 30 million plus listeners for every episode. And you've got on the other end of the spectrum, someone who gets like one person who listens and it's their mom. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that those both fall under the same umbrella as this thing called podcast. Yeah. By the way, I want to thank my mom for watching today. I don't want to thank my mom. Yeah, she, we got two moms yeah. here at least. But no, that you're 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 touching on everything. Why I think I'm here doing this, but also why I've been delayed. It's like a weird thing where I've been like, well, I'm on TV, so I'm doing it already. But like, mm. I've I haven't adapted for myself. I haven't invested in myself for this type of thing till now, which I'm so excited because I could say whatever well, look I at want. This. Thank you. But I also there's something about being uncharted. Like when you do your own thing, it feels more free. Yeah. Sometimes we drink in here. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's about building the audience. And it is an interesting time to be involved. I, I, I also, it also makes me mad sometimes where I go like, I'm, you're not a ho like, why are you doing interviews? And I don't want to be that negative, like, well, I'm a professional, but yeah. th- the jobs we have are becoming obsolete. Like they're yeah. not titles anymore because everyone can host interviews and build an audience. Even though it's we're tough. like trained on TV. It's, yeah. like who, it's almost like society, where do we go? Like where, where, where's our jobs? It's a different thing, right? The days of being just a TV host are gone. Yeah. Like, and I think that Ryan Seacrest was really the last of that generation because it was Pat Pat Sajak and it was Tom Bergeron and, you know, Alex Trebek and that list of like the game show hosts. Yeah. And then Seacrest was kind of the last one because if you think of all the hosts now, they are a former something. Right. So you got Michael Strahan. Former well, athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly Clarkson, a musician. Mm-hmm. Nick Cannon, actor and musician. Mm-hmm. And the list goes, Drew Barrymore, actress. Like the yeah. list goes on and on and on of people like that. The Ryan Seacrest were like, you're a broadcaster who came from, for him, the world of radio. Right. Gone. So we're, we're going to say here on this show, Ryan Seacrest killed our jobs? No, no. Ryan Seacrest is the last of oh, us. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's yeah, like, yeah. he's the last of us. Yeah, yeah, he's, no, you're right. He has... The with the Last of Us, he's got the. I didn't watch it yet, but he's. I haven't seen it. Oh either. yeah, I know it's a virus or something. It's <laughs> yeah, bugs. It's he. He uh, yeah, but he's he's survived it. He survived it. He's yeah. got the yeah. <laughs> no, you're right, man. You know, I talked to you about this once, and I want to have him on here. But you remember Double Dare? So I got close with Mark Summers, who hosted Double Dare. Oh back yeah. In the day, and he talks about this too. He goes like, you know, no one has this was a job when I, in his heyday it was a job. It was a huge game show. Yeah, wow. And yeah, I, I guess like Carson Daly Carson was also Daly, in that world. Yeah, I also don't want to be someone doing this stuff that's like, well, it's like you have to eventually adapt and and find your niche. I love that you're describing it as a niche because that's what I want to build here. Well, I want to build a niche casting. It's not. Yeah. It's no longer broadcasting. It's yeah. niche casting. And since you hit me with such a great quote, I'll hit you with one as well. Hit me because you were chair. like, man, it took me a while to get this started. It's a Chinese proverb that I love. It's the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is today. Mm. So I think, and that's what you're doing. You've planted this tree. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it feels, I feel late, but I also am really excited to be here at the same time. But if you didn't do it and you started in five years from now, you'd right. go, oh man, I feel like I've. 
I'm real late on this. Yeah. Well, I think all things are are based on you know whatever. Everything is iterative of the next thing. So I we've been doing this so long. I feel very ready to have this kind of deconstructed version of my interviews. I feel laid back. Like I'm not. You know, you can get really stressed in the format of our interviews. Five minutes. Do this. Do this. Yeah. This I'm just chilling. It's it's a lot more. Yeah. It's a lot more liberating to not even feel. Like we're on in a way, you know what I mean? And these are real conversations. Yeah. When you're talking to someone for four minutes, it's, it's a soundbite. Yeah. And you know that all you're looking for there is a great soundbite to help promote their film and get a, maybe a fun moment with them. But here you can actually extrapolate out on these thoughts. Like, yeah. oh, what do you mean by that? Tell me a little bit more. I have a guitar. Could you play it? Yeah. Well, I love your podcast, just to plug it as well, because you're Thank you. you're an inspiration to me as a host because you're very insightful. Well, I'm, I'm being. I'm trying to get the name out there, but you don't need me to promote it. But you, the, it, you're very insightful and thoughtful with how you talk to people, which I think is important for this format. Oh, thank you. Right. I, I, I'm just. I'm really fascinated by the idea that we talked about a little bit earlier about how we just see the finished product and we don't see someone's full journey to get there. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in like, all right, what was the hardest thing about this journey, or what, what was there a moment you wanted to give up? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll hear you know, these amazing stories from some of the most successful people in the world that'll be like, well, actually, I was down to my last $5 and I got this audition that turned into this amazing thing. Or actually, yeah, I was cut from my college football team, but then I did this other thing that allowed me to... And I love those stories. Yeah. It humanizes the person. And then if there's someone else that's on the journey, they can go, wow, if that happened to them... What could I do if I really apply yeah. myself? I think that I think you you go through your insecurities in our business and show business, and I literally at least like once a month will Google someone I look up to, and then Google their age when they got their big thing. <laughs> I love that. I do it too much though. It's like oh is it oh he was a little bit older it's, oh is that it? And you just like it's 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 a compare culture thing, but also could be very inspirational. It's like wait a second they got that. So he did the sitcom when he was 38 mm. and, and he's like one of the biggest ever or whatever it is. And I keep finding people older and older. So who's the one that's like really surprised you? Uh, I want to say maybe Seinfeld. I was trying to think what Seinfeld was a little bit older when he started Seinfeld, not like older in terms of like age, but he wasn't like 21. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might've been, let's, I should look it up though. So we, we have all the right. world's information at our fingertips. Let's get it. And because I think the one that really, I did the same thing. I do it too much. Right before I moved to LA <laughs> and it was Samuel L. Jackson, like didn't get his big break to like 36 or something. Really? Yeah. Let me see. Or didn't start acting till then. Yeah. I mean, the thing is too, is like, we also want to justify in a way where we're at and to your 40 and do the right thing whoa 45 in pulp fiction also he was 45 in pulp fiction that looks great that's amazing that, that is man, amazing not age that's unbelievable all right uh original re release was 89 let's see jerry seinfeld but it really 90 i think is when it started wait all right hold on one second oh wait let me <laughs> that's weird i can't click on jerry seinfeld doesn't have a doesn't have an age. Doesn't have a Wikipedia. Come on, of course he does. What the hell? Of course it's he not does. clickable. I'm not even making this I'll, up. I'll Hold on, up. I'll get it. I'll get it. There we go. I got him. I got him. Of course, Jerry he Seinfeld. All right, 1954. How good are you at math? I'll just do my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like we're on a game show. What? Yeah, he was 36. Wow. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like you, you think someone like created the best sitcom ever? Like figured it out and did it, and especially with the world we're in now, you have kids. I'm happy all kids are getting big audiences, but mm. sometimes 
it, it's a slow burn to get to the level you want to get at to be successful. With, with, and I mean for writing movies, for writing TV, for producing, for anything in, in our world and beyond. Yeah. It doesn't have to be entertainment. <clears throat> But there's something about the long game that I do fear for my daughter's generation is like going away because everyone just thinks mm. like, what are the followers? Don't develop it at all. Get huge. People like you now. Now and sell this lip gloss yeah. <laughs> on your TikTok and you're successful and you got fake lips. Now I'm going down a rabbit hole, but you get what I'm saying. When I see someone on TikTok who's like clearly close to my parents' age and they're like putting out content every day and they've got a big following, I'm like, yes. Like, yeah, that's congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Like, number one, you didn't use the excuse that so many older people use of like, well, I just can't figure it out. I don't understand how it right, works. Right. So like my hat's off to you for like figuring it out sure. because everything, you can figure out everything because we have all the world's information right here. Right. But also the fact that like you're committed enough to do it. It's great. And there's so many people that go, yeah, man, you know what? I'm really going to, I'm really going to go hard on TikTok. Yeah. And they post like seven videos and then they don't pop off and they go, well, man, I tried. So sure. That's it. I tried. So it's just back to, you know, back to not doing it. That's it. Well, that's to your point. Nobody sees the, the harder part of the work. My theme for this year, I told myself, was one word, consistency. I like it. Thank <clears throat> you. And that's, that's really what this show is about for me um, and also all of my marital fights. Also be consistent in those fights. Yeah, I've been yeah. consistent on where I'm at in the argument. Getting a lot which of is W's. My side, and not, <laughs> not a lot hurts. of W's. A lot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to ask you this on a personal note because you are newly married. You're about to be a new dad. I can relate to being in those positions a few years sure, ago. Yeah. How are you feeling, man? So excited. Yeah, we had a big year. Like in the last, it was it was in like six months. We got engaged. We bought a house. Moved into that house. We got married. And we found out we're having a kid. And then amazing, our daughter's going to be with us in May. That's right. Girl dad, too. That's yeah. awesome, man. So just so excited. And I think the best part about this is when you find that person that you want to hold their hand and walk into the rest of life together, Like that's really exciting. Yeah. And that's not to take away from any of the incredible women that I've dated before. But when I found Rachel, I was like, this is it. Like, yeah, it's so cliche to be like, oh, when you know, you know. But really, when you meet that person and you fire on all cylinders and just it just works, it's yeah. easy. There's an undeniability to the comfort of that, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. You. let's go. It's all happening. Where we've all had those convert or we've all had those relationships earlier on in our life where like they didn't text me back tonight, or like they said they'd be home at this time and they're not. And mm -hmm. like you, you you know you start to hold those things against them or you go you know that's that's fuel for the next fire of your next argument that you have here i was just like i want what's best for both of us yeah that's together. great that's great were you guys living together before all this we were okay yeah so you because that, that wasn't because there's a lot of newness happening but yeah. you knew that part oh, of yeah it. we moved in together i guess that's one of them well that because that, that's a big thing it to was. do because I can relate to your story, but I moved in with my wife when she was my fiance, and she was a few months pregnant. That was a whole wow. learning curve. Like, oh, what do we like together? By the way, you're you're super pregnant, and by the way, you know, it's a lot of. Th I also just lost a job. It was a lot of life things. Yeah, because life sometimes just turns a corner, and you kind of hold on and figure out yeah. what. And I do believe in the strength of that as well. Like that's awesome that all those switches flip for you guys. Like in, a, in one, it's special. It's yeah. a special turning point for you guys. You well, know? we had a long distance relationship nice. in, in terms of LA at least. I lived in Studio City. She lived in Orange County, which I don't even know how like we, we were on uh, we were on Hinge. We met on Hinge, no the way. dating app. Yeah. 
Wow, you're a hinge success story. That's uh, awesome. Hinge success story. I'm, I'm proud of it too. That's awesome. But the fact that you know it wasn't that far in terms of miles. It's like 48 miles. But my it's goodness, far here. Oh, that wow. is long distance. Wait, humor me with uh, what your hinge profile like byline was. Is there a byline on hinge? Or what did it say? Used to hinge? backyard wrestle. Now I. <laughs> Hinge is <laughs> like you pick three of their prompts, they call them. Got it. And then you either answer one of their questions or it's like fill in the blank. So it's like, I am looking for blank. That could be anything, right? Like I am looking for like tall, dark, and handsome. Like I, I made mine. I'm looking for the best pizza in LA. Oh. So that was a great conversation starter because let's be honest, the pizza here is not, good. not so great. Except for mine. Yeah. Which I have to make for you. Please. Because yeah. it's got Jersey roots. So I would get a lot of people like being like, oh, try this place. And I would be like, cool, I don't want to have a conversation with you, but I will try that place. Right, right. You get the And I actually started making a list in my notes section of my phone of like, oh, I've got these six places I gotta try. Wow. Six pizza joints. So that was one of them. I like that you used it to better your own LA life. Of like, course. This is great. Let me find out. Girls know food. You know, <laughs> they know what they like. They want to eat nice. I don't know what else. You're ugly, but I want that pizza. Boom, yeah. boom. Uh, what is the best pizza in LA? Because this think is a triggered moment for me. I think it's Joe's Pizza in Santa Monica. Joe's? I haven't had that yet. Oh, okay. it's so good. Really? All right. Because I love the New York style of pizza. Yeah, of course. The best kind in the world. The best. I love that, you know, you, you bite into it and there's a little crunch. A little crunch, yeah, yeah. And Joe's is the closest thing you'll get to like buying a slice in New York. What What's pizza like up in Canada growing up? They have, Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Hockey because puck, you're, uh, <laughs> pe- pepperoni or That's there? right. <laughs> Terrible joke. <laughs> Bad joke. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You're on the east side, right? You're not quite on the east coast of Canada, but you're close enough to New York that I think you're getting some of the influence from mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So my favorite pizza place in Canada is called Pizza Pizza. Ah. It's a very famous pizza place in Ontario, pizza chain. They made it simple for the French. They're like, <laughs> this is it. If you, in case you don't remember, Pizza Pizza. Pizza Pizza. And you know how in the States in the Little Caesar commercials? Yeah. Pizza Pizza. Pizza, pizza yeah. Well, they don't. They can't say that because that's a trademark. So in Canada, they say um, "cheesy, cheesy" or something. Really? Something that's else. funny. Yeah, I didn't know that. Little Caesars, maybe. Wow. So pizza, 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 pizza. Legit, man. I got to make you some pizza sometime. And I am on the hunt to find the best in LA. And I'm trying to maybe, if this doesn't work out, I might start like an Uber Eats because that's how much I make it. So it could happen. You for me. should. I know. I might. There's a place when I lived in Studio City that was just down the street from me. It was. Um, Lucifer's. Yep, I've had it. We I, had it here. It's I like good. Lucifer's a it's lot. It's pretty good, yeah. It's like a little spicier, but it's very doughy. Yeah, here's what I said recently about pizza, because I live here now. I live in LA, so I have to feel this way, but I do genuinely feel this way. I've never bitten to a piece of pizza that was bad. At the end of the day, it's cheese. I'm it's melted. Yes. It's crust. I mean, I, it, there could be versions of it, but you're, you're really starting at a great point. Like It's the Absolutely. best ingredients ever. You can't yeah. really mess it up unless everything's old. Yeah, like when people are like, oh, this place does the best breakfast. I'm like, well, it's pretty hard to mess up eggs and yeah. bacon. Like I just don't toast. think I'm that snobby of an eater for like in a way. Like I, I, I've had bad food, but I'm also like glad I'm eating it. I don't yeah. know. It's a weird thing. I think the only time I've really been disappointed about food is when you go to like one of those fancy restaurants and there's plenty of them around here. Yeah. And they bring you like the large round white plate. And there's just a tiny little dollop of food in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, this was $46. It's an L.A. portion right there. Oh. What was your first date? With Rachel? Yeah. No, with the three X's before her. <laughs> Don't worry. It's fine. You got to talk all about this. Newly married. 
Get it out. No, I'm kidding. We went to a rooftop in Huntington Beach. Cool. So I went down there. It was a Sunday. We went down there and we were planning to get a drink. It's a place called Tanner's. And they had this delicious spicy margarita. And I'm a sucker for a spicy margarita. Nice. So we both ordered one. Conversations flowing. They came around. Do you want another one? We said, yeah, sure. Let's have another one. We ended up spending four hours on the rooftop. Cool. And we were expecting to just get like a drink, you know, first date. And the conversation just flowed. And then we walked around a little bit after that. And then I walked her to her car. And I said, this was really good. Like, we should totally do this again sometime. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, I'd love to. Well, when are you free? She goes, well, I'm free. Uh, let's see. I could do Thursday this week. Or, I mean, I don't know if you want to, but I'm also free tomorrow. Whoa. And I said, let's do it. Done. Wow. So then I went back the next day, and we did... Uh, Mini putt followed by bowling. That is a fun date. That's great. She beat me at both. Damn. Mm -hmm. I knew I had a winner. Yeah, yeah. That's Quite it. literally. Yeah, yeah. Bad joke. She still wins. She still wins everything. She's, uh, and I'm pretty competitive. So I'm like, it's tough swallowing your private. I let life. her. I let her. Yeah, I let her yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I let her. Yeah. At least, as long as your entrances are wrestling level when you're competing with your wife, I think oh, you're still course. flexing good. You're fine. You're like breaking your shirt at mini golf and shit. What was your first date with your wife? Um, a Broadway show in New York. But it was oh man, it's because she she needed Hamilton tickets, so she had to go to another show to get Hamilton tickets. And uh, I was what, like the fourth person she asked. What do you mean she had to go to like another? She show? had to connect with the record label to get tickets to go see Hamilton. But so we had to go see School of Rock. Who also had the music rights of the same That's people. amazing, though. And so we saw School of Rock, yeah. We've been together since that date. I asked her out for a few years before that. She said no for a no. while. And then she finally asked me to that. But I was like the fourth person she asked and canceled all my plans in New York. I was like, oh, she asked me out. Finally, I'm, we're going. I'm so going. you were in the friend zone for four years? Not really even friend zone. More like the, remember that guy on the internet zone in your DMs on every <laughs> platform? <laughs> um, but she, she Facebooked me first, but I DM'd her and, you know, we were back and forth for years and we saw each other in passing and I met her in an interview like this, which is why sometimes I forget and I get attracted to my guests and I think maybe I'll marry them. And I feel that way today since so. the Greek comments. This is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful thing. So you but interviewed her? I did. Yeah. On camera at iHeart 2013. Yeah. What? It which I always tell people. I also wonder if that could, speaking of earlier with Ariana Grande, I could have been canceled by my... It was basically a first date. I remember mm. thinking, like, who is this girl? And like, I remember being like so enamored with her. But then I was like, I was professional. I wasn't going to lay it on thick or anything. But I asked her out like shortly after and kind of kept asking her out. Ariana Grande? Which, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she wasn't my type and too young. But um, Lady Gaga said no. And then, then my wife came in and I was like, yeah, you're better, you're better than Lady Gaga anyway. This is perfect. No. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's a weird thing because, you know, in the professional setting... Uh, you don't cross that line, right? But but yeah. I felt like you said you're like you know. I just yeah. had a feeling about it. I was like, this is. I even emailed my mom the day we met. I was like, I'm gonna marry this girl. I was very like serious, like wow, like, like, like lightning bolt level. Like, yep, that's you. So you told your mom you were gonna marry her, and then you didn't really talk to her for four years. I I you tried to tried talk to, to talk her. to her on and off for a couple of years. Yeah, for three years after that. Yeah. Which was the healthiest we were. I think we were the best version of ourselves when I was just in her DMs and she like kept me at a distance. Now we see too much of each other with two kids. Like, get out of here. Get out of my way. You get back to just DMing me every couple of months. It's going to be better for us. What made you decide to move out here? Because everybody has an L.A. story. Mine is based on our family, actually. So she wanted to... My wife lived here for 10 years. She wanted to come back. And we were in Jersey and when some stuff happened and we were going through some stuff and we're like, you know what? Let's just go to the Sunshine and come out to LA and see what happens. It wasn't even like, let's stay. 
And then family-wise, we just decided to stay. But career-wise, I knew I wanted to build things. I knew I wanted to get more into stand-up. Like, I'd been in New York for so long. Yeah. Like, I, I, this city felt... It was always in the back of my mind, like, like you were saying about coming here, too. Like, I always wanted to come here and dreamt of coming here to do big things and never did it. Yeah. And then with her and our family, it was the perfect excuse to come back. But I'm still, like, adjusting. Like, I have a love-hate with, with here. I could see that. Yeah. I've been here three years. Yeah. I'm coming up on three years. And it's funny when, like, when creative types talk about like moving to New York, because in my mind, I think of like wall street when I think of New York and I think of like commercial real estate and then maybe a few more bullet points down. Then I think of like Broadway. Right. But when you think of LA, you think of Hollywood. Yeah. Like that's the first thing you think of. And sure. All that other stuff does happen here. Like you could have a great career that has nothing to do with show business here. Right. But when you think of show business, you think of LA. Yeah. So I've been coming out here for junkets for you know last 15 years. I was just like, eventually, I feel like my path is going to lead there. Sure. I'd been coming out here every two, three, four weeks to do a junket, even if it was just for a weekend, and just you know kind of getting a taste of LA. And then I was like, all right, well, now it's just time. Yeah, I was the same way. Like, I've always been here but never lived here. So now, yeah. now that I live here, it's lost its luster, but I don't yeah. hate it. But it's like a place. It's not like a like when you come here for junkets and people don't understand, we get treated really well. We work yeah. in TV and movie studios send us out on planes and then put us up at hotels with meals and then events and hotels free, oh, we have no business staying in. Yeah, open bar. I mean, you really get treated well when you do that. Yeah. So there is this illusion with this town that I think a lot of people fall into and I'm I'm sure you can relate. It's like it's kind of like a paid for party mm. when you're coming here for work. And then when you live here, it's like Here's how much this costs, and you got to drive an hour there, drive an hour there. It's just a different yeah. real life thing, I think. And like to your point about like bro, you know dreams not coming true, L.A. is a hard city to to, to adjust to when you first get here. I think you got to make money, you got to make rent. It's yeah. a lot. It's a it's, lot, and it's an expensive city to yeah. live in. Same in New York. You Same have thing. to own a car here, though. Yeah, you have to. In New York, you can do you can do the, the subway, yeah. or taxis. Here, you have to own a car. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not railing against being here. I, I see it as, in, like, we're talking about, it's, it's similar in my mind about, like, this transition to my niche audience and my own content. I'm adapting my view. I'm just turning my view a little bit on it. Where it's yeah. like, I like to rip on LA because I'm from Jersey, and there's just a lot of soft people out here that can't handle, like, <laughs> moving at a decent speed in a line at a freaking deli. Like, you know what I mean? People Nobody goes be... to delis out here. Yeah, right. That's They're the barely problem. Yeah, right. They're getting sushi and green drinks. So I rip on LA a little bit. You know, I have a line in my stand-up. It's like uh, my wife and I wanted to move to the place where the people are more plastic than the straws. You know, it's a very real thing that I've seen here. And I don't understand why we don't have real straws here. But anyway, see, look at this. This is what I'm talking about. I'm drinking a coffee here. Where's the straw? That's true. You could have asked for a straw. Listen, the turtles are, are fine. That's a, that's not true. I know. So you know. That's a big thing. It's so funny. I read a book called Made to Stick, and it talks about how some ideas are sticky. Oh, yeah. And the, the turtles and the plastic straws, that's a sticky idea. Do you, do you know who's killing everything in the ocean plastic-wise more than anybody? The fishing industry. And mm, I love fish. Yeah, me too. But it's their stuff. That's, what's that's the most percentage of plastic that's bad for the ocean is fishing, mm. not... My latte. But it's a, it's a sticky idea, though. Yeah, it sticks. Another sticky idea that that book talks about is why do we check our kids' candy at Halloween? Because someone at some point put a razor blade in it, and it's wow. actually not true. But it's a sticky idea. There's there's an there's an effect. Is it the Mandela effect? The Mandela or, effect is when you believe something to be true that, that never, didn't happen. Yeah. It's a similar thing, though. It's a sticky yeah. kind of idea that 
but it's just, it, it caught on and then it was reported by a bunch of people, but it's an easy one to remember. Interesting. Yeah, like the turtles and the straws. I do think there's probably turtles that have been affected by straws oh, out there. There's but... a viral video of it of them like with pliers pulling it out right. of the nose. But I don't know. If, I don't know how high, I don't know how high the percentages of of them getting hurt by straws in a way that it would make my iced coffee not have one. <laughs> Furthermore, my iced coffee could have a straw that's sustainable that's not paper. <laughs> like plastics, just terrible. Yeah, but it's but also start with cars is my point. If you're if you're anti-plastic, start with removing big plastic in cars before you <laughs> kill my iced coffee. That's all I'm saying. You know, I'm just trying to. But I want everyone to be happy and live and float around. And I love Ninja Turtles growing up, and I want to see them survive. <laughs> we're trying to get you canceled on the show, not me. We're you we're you saying another another yeah. uh, Anne Hathaway here? Let me see what I could come up with for you. No, yeah. we don't really want that for you. You're doing great. I would never do that. To I you. did. I did have a bunch of. Going back to the interview moments, I've had a bunch go viral without even realizing they were going to go viral. Yeah. Like quite a few that have got millions of views. Like I sat down for a Hunger Games interview with Liam Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson. And I was like, oh, yeah, Chris Van Vliet. And he goes, oh, got a brother named Chris. And I said, oh, yeah, God of Thunder. And he goes, sir, does the little Thor thing. Mm -hmm. And then Woody Harrelson goes, I, I never put that together. I didn't know. So during our interview, Woody Harrelson realizes that Chris Hemsworth and Liam, Hem, Liam Hemsworth are brothers. Oh, my gosh. And the video went like mega viral. That's amazing. And I was just a byproduct of me sitting there and, and it happening. That's amazing. Well, you're, you're creating the moments, man. That's why you're good at what you do. But I, literally moments. all I did was say my name. <laughs> <laughs> Question for you about viral videos. Do you find that you're chasing it, – it's happened I've, – I've had success in that way as well – I fear, and obviously I'm doing this, and I want people to watch my content, but sure. are you chasing, you know, when you hit a million views on something, I, I understand the feeling. It is like a drug. Yeah. It's like, whoa, right? How much of you, what you make, how much of it is f the work affected? Because my fear is like, and this is something I heard about a quote recently about the TikTok algorithms, about like making content for the computer versus like people who will respond to it and finding an audience. I just want to be authentic. I think you're authentic, but... Does it affect like, oh, I better cut this this way because I know like this this will go definitely. Like, but are you obsessed with it in a way where like you're you're only numbers driven and you don't like if things don't do well? Well, I have an editor who is far smarter than me. Nice that takes care of those things. Like cool. I don't even have to think about it. He's really good That's at finding great. like, all right, if I edit it like this, I think it'll do better than the original way that you did it. So, but it, what's tough is sometimes you'll have a moment that you think like, man, I hit it out of the park with this one. That's going to be huge. And then you post and you go, oh, really? It didn't do that well. Like I had a moment with The Rock when I saw you during Black Adam mm -hmm. and he told me his definition of success, which I thought was going to really pop off. He was told me this great story about how it's about like kindness and it's the quote he says all the time, like it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, man, I'll put some, like, real sappy TikTok music, like, inspirational music behind it, and that thing will just, to the moon. And it didn't really get that many views. And I sure. went, huh, that's weird. So I think there's just moments where it's, it's about expectations, right? Yeah. And Tony Robbins has a great phrase. I love that we're just trading these, uh, you know, great, great phrases with I each other. I love it. I love it. Tony Robbins has one where it's, if you can trade your expectations for appreciation, you'll never be upset. Because if your expectations are set in a certain way and then they're not met, you'll be upset every single time. But if instead you're just appreciative of like, I can't believe I'm sharing a TikTok 
with The Rock, who right. I looked up to when I was 16 years old, then it's just a win right there. If you lead with gratitude, you're never going to be upset. That's a great... You're newly married. You, you better hold on to that in your marriage. <laughs> Expectation. That's literally every argument, I think, in Trade your expectations for, for appreciation. appreciation. Right, because if... Yeah. That's a good marriage tool, man. I hope you. I hope you. Bring I love that we're marriage. just trading quotes here. I can't wait. Speaking of TikTok, your episode promotion is just going to be a supercut of all of our quotes from this episode. Love it with inspirational music, and it's going to be like, "Wow, this guy's <laughs> so inspirational." It's going to get gonna be fourteen Chinese views. Proverb. You know, it's going to be great. No, I'm going to do that. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, Tag me as a collaborator. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, no, it is true. I think for marriage, and I think I think all relationships, you have to make sure your expectations are are because you're going to be let down. That's basically what we're talking about. Yeah, and it's it's really out of your control when it comes to putting these videos out on social media. All you can do is hit that post button, and then that's it. Yeah. On to the next one. Well, I talk about this a lot because I'm also thinking of it as a parent now, and obviously, and measurement of my own success. Because, like I said, like building my own ship. Like you want you want everything to be viral all the time, but I don't want. I see younger people I know like living or dying by numbers, and that's why mm -hmm. I ask you because. I have a daughter now. I have two daughters who are coming up in this world. And even I'm even conscious around the house how we talk about views because it's like I don't want that to be the measurement of what matters in life even though it's freaking awesome when people see our stuff. Yeah. So what's the what's the line with it that's healthy? And I think what you're saying is true. It's like post it, forget it. And it's what a gift that we're able to do these jobs. That's, I think that's all you can do. And it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to not get caught up in the numbers. Because each view represents an actual physical person who took the time to watch it. I was talking to my friend the other day about how annoying it is that if someone watches your entire video and they don't like it, like they don't actually <laughs> click the like button, mm -hmm. like that is the definition of like, if I caught your attention and you watched more than 60% of the video, you liked it. Yeah. You liked the video. Yeah. Why didn't you like the video? Interesting. And I fall down that rabbit hole of like, ah. But then I just come back to like, post it, and you just got to forget about it. Because yeah. there are some very mean comments online. Did you read them? I, I did. I read a lot less of them now. Yeah. Because like I would- They still I, hurt, right? I of mean, course. Yeah, it's- Especially if you get, get you. you get 99 nice ones and one mean one, like- it's just like, ah, why'd you have to say that? I know. Well, people, it's just it, it's just a percentage game. I stopped people, feeding the trolls, though. You have to. You stopped? Like, you would respond and stuff? I would. Like, I would yeah. correct people when they would say things that were incorrect. Mm -hmm. And then, then I was like, but what, what am I doing? I think ignoring gives more power to, like, you, you're, it's more powerful. And it's funny when you see a comment thread of, like, this person responding to this person, then that person responds, and then they respond again. The last person to respond basically wins. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You'll find men with a baby. You're not going to, it's good you quit this now because you're going to have less time to be like talking to, you know, Harry I, and Albuquerque in his basement. Cared? Yeah. Who's mad that you said this wrestling thing wrong or whatever. You, you didn't say it wrong. You know what I mean? That he does thinks, happen though. He thinks something you said was wrong about WWE in the 80s or whatever, you know? That happens. People, fa I know. Almost every video. Like fact check type comments? Yeah, like little silly things. Like I was referencing Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair uh, at WrestleMania and Ric Flair's retirement match. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's that great moment where he's like, I'm sorry, I love you, and hits him with the super kick. And someone was like, actually, it's the sweet chin music. It's not the super kick. Oh, yeah, right. Like, well, they're the same move, just they have different names, uh, whatever. Know-it-all type of people in conversation. It's the worst type of personality and, and worst type of conversation. 
if I'm at a dinner and I'm getting corrected ten times by somebody, that's the, that's a personality trait. Yeah. People are like that. Actually, are you sure? I think it was sixty degrees <laughs> out then. How about you find someone to love you <laughs> and stop talking to me at this dinner? Also, the, we have all of the world's information in yeah. our pocket. Yeah, like who's fact checking these things? Well, I think people get their get get uh, you know their their identity around that type of thing. Like being right is an yeah, identity. That you're so right. Yeah. Yeah, that that it's an identity. Better say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that it's an identity to be right. It's an upbringing thing. You, you want to be right. Maybe they didn't grow up where their parents ever said they were right. I mean, sadly, mm. not to get too therapeutic here. Though people say this feels like therapy with the chair and the couch. Yeah. Let's just take a moment for you to just really feel that, Chris. That you know. Should I be laying down? You can. I like this. Yes. Uh, it's a great quote. <laughs> No man is fully a man until he lies with another man on a couch. Okay. Gay innuendo coming up again. I don't know what it is. In a therapeutic setting. Yes, of course. With microphones, yes, Mm. of course. And and listens back to the beautiful dad song he played earlier. Oh, yeah. It's playing softly now. Yes. Beautiful song. (laughs) You and I could do an NPR show and crush it. If we were like, hey, everybody, welcome back. It's Chris and Paul. We're here just talking about um, how we do our eyebrows. And uh, I personally shave the middle. You, Chris? Well, I uh, I pluck the middle. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be better in the long run, they say. I agree. It, the NPR style is it's slow, it's soft, and tons of pauses. Yeah. It's like uh, Samuel Jackson would be great. fast. <laughs> <laughs> NPR. Yeah. Did you pretend to be a radio DJ when you were growing up? I did, and I worked in radio first, so it was a cool way to... To start this, yeah. I, I When I got into radio and I learned what the term was, like hitting the post, mm. I was like, oh, I've been doing that my whole life. Yeah. Pretending to be a radio DJ. Sure. Now I do it in the car for my wife sometimes. She's like, that's the best useless skill ever. Just talking up to the right point, right? Yes. Well, you have a good like radio style voice, I feel like. I did radio. Yeah. I did radio for a few years when I lived in Cleveland. Then you're right, like especially with these type of mics. Yeah. Like these are... The Shure SM7B. Yeah, these are the good it's ones. Such man. a good mic you can hear for that. that. Well, that's the yeah. classic sweaty balls, uh, Alec Baldwin bit. But you know what? Let's do because I like making bits out of you. Um, we're gonna just do uh, t- one one f- uh, five year veteran dad and an expecting dad talking about uh, babies. So yeah, man, my baby was uh, taking a few naps the other day. And are you excited? You guys get diapers yet? Oh wow, we haven't bought the diapers yet, but uh, we have set up the nursery. Mm. We built all the furniture, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're just waiting for our little girl to join us. Mm. That waiting game's a beautiful thing. We got the Appa Baby Stroller. Oh, the Appa's great. It is a very popular stroller. Great, very popular. It has a car seat attachment, mm-hmm. which I'm told is very secure. Yeah. Well, the thing about the car seats is it takes a certain, you know, type of finesse that you're going to get into with the buckles, the clamps on that bar. The car oh. seat's not always great. But with those arms, you're going to be just fine. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I know nothing about being a dad. We'll be right back. Listen, you're going to be great, man. I'm excited for you. We should do it like a morning radio. Morning radio is more like kind of shock you, like get the kind of funny. Wow. So get this. Get this, everybody. Okay. All right. 93.5 KXFM, of course. Paul. We got Paul with us here. Paul is going to be a dad. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 
That's right, Chris. I'm really excited. Wait, I'm the guest or I'm the host? I can be the host you can be, you. Uh, the, the, I'm the, the, I don't know. I'll be the girl co-host who everyone oh, always rails against her course. dating habits. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You do that. <laughs> Where were you last night, Lisa? Out with another guy? Lisa, you look pretty tired this yeah. morning. Wow. Were you drunk again with another wow. dude? You ever notice that? It would be the absolute worst to date a woman that works in morning Dude, radio. That, that's like such a trope of morning radio. That's true. Where they're so like, true. So Lisa, who's the guy this week? You whore. Like that's literally how it is. <laughs> and then they always, <laughs> and then they always give him like a name. They'll be like, "Well, yeah." So that's Target Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how'd Bob? Did you tell him about your job? Did you know you're talking about him on the air? <laughs> Actually, I, we're going to wait to talk about it. I don't want well, to talk about well, it. Well, he knows now. Yep. <laughs> you know what? We're going to call Bob now at his job. Bob has no idea. Bob, do you know Lisa's on air talking about you? Who is this? Uh, this is Lisa's boss. Technically, she has to go along with this or she'll be fired. Uh, did you have sex last night? Okay. <laughs> I love that we share that radio history. Morning radio is the funniest thing. They they really do go for that, like the jugular type of you thing. You know what's funny, though, is some of the best podcasts right now are kind of emulating that morning True. radio show style. Like True. Pat McAfee's doing it without really knowing he's doing mm -hmm. it. Like that style of like, you're just eavesdropping in on like some buddies hanging out. They do it for three hours mm -hmm. a day, I think. It's, uh, it's so interesting. The podcasters replaced morning radio. I love that this form is morphing where we can kind of do anything. And, and more, I come from commercial radio where like it's so structured for advertising and for money. Yeah. Obviously, we're doing ads here. I know you do ads, yeah. right? But like it's more about the listener and their experience than it is like getting a formulaic amount of audience in this time yeah. and doing that. It's like, it's like radio all over again, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Live radio reads did not exist in Canada. Like it's not, okay. not a thing that's like... FCC approved or whatever is the thing in Canada. So when I moved to the US and I started listening to like radio when I first moved to Cleveland, I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. Because they'll be like, oh yeah, we'll be right back. But let me tell you now about some carpet company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and like, you're like, what? Is it, Bob likes this? Is this his favorite? And then I realized they're getting paid like X amount of dollars per time oh, they yeah. read that on the air. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole business. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's. I'm really grateful. My bones in this as a broadcaster. I wasn't really on air. I became the video guy. I did radio in college, but the bones of this world of interviewing comes from, and the relationships come from radio for me in a way where like I want to take that with me. Even how we meet and how we talk to people, like yeah. it's good being a part of that world early yeah. on because you learn. Like that's we're talking about the oldest form of of media. Yeah, and and how that was set up. But yeah, it's definitely changed now, and I think this is the future. It well, it definitely is. It's. We're in such an interesting in-between stage. Like, we're going to be the last generation who started our careers on television. I know. Because the generation that's coming up now, they've got a really interesting dilemma in front of them. Because if they have really built a following on YouTube or TikTok or wherever, are they going to want to go work in Des Moines for $38,000 a year? No. Probably not. But that's that could be the path that leads to a national job somewhere because that was that was yeah, that's what I'm saying about my fear of my daughter and the next generation. And I want my content to grow, but I am worried. Like everyone thinks it's A to B. Well, you're saying the hard part is this, you know, C D E F G. You know, you get you get to the thing at at, at F or whatever. The you know, yeah, nobody's two paths look the same. Yeah, exactly. But I but I do fear we're living in a place now where it's like. It's a flip of a switch with with an audience, right? Like, because you can 
get 10 million followers on TikTok overnight, right? It can happen. It can happen for some reason. Something happens. But what does that mean about like your trajectory, about like building a business and having a longevity and also having experience to do whatever the thing is yeah. besides just being known yeah. and putting yourself out? Like that's my fear is like where, what's the difference? Because are you going to be able to have a job? Like I don't know. I just I it, don't know. It's tough playing that comparison game too because when you have 1,000 followers, all you want is 10,000 followers. But then the person with 10,000 followers, all they want is 100,000 followers. And the person with 100,000, all they want is 500,000. And so on and so on. So you look at someone who has 5 million followers and they go, yeah, but it'd be great to be like that person with 10 million. And then you talk to that person and so on and so on. That's why I have so much respect for someone like Mr. Beast who's creating the content because he loves creating yeah, content. Yeah, you have to love it. And he loves helping people. And if you can love the process from start to finish, from the inception of the idea to the production of it, to the filming of it, to the editing of it, to the posting and the promotion of it, then that's when you're winning. Yeah. If you can love the process. And to your point, it's the niches. So I, I hope this appeals to my niche as much as your stuff appeals to yours because we're all doing our niches. Just make, I like make a whole bunch of the vertical video. That's yeah, that's yeah. where you're gonna. Those little breadcrumbs are gonna lead to lead to the longer yeah. clips that sure. are gonna lead to the full episode. Well, speaking of, before you go, we've been chatting for a while. I love that we're here chatting. Thanks this is for great. hanging out, man. I oh, thank so much you. Fun. Also, it's really fun. Like you're asking me questions. Like I, I feel like I could do even less work with an, another interviewer here. Like I'm like, <laughs> uh, you talk, Chris. Whatever. I'm hanging. Like because it's just fun to have another host it's on. So good. It's great, man. I appreciate you being here. I do want to, for our promotional, we got to get this show out there. So we do want to go back to your backyard roots for a second, okay? Oh, my God. Here's what's going to happen, all right? You're going to do an entrance for me, and then you're going to hit me on the back with that red chair. on the red on, chair? That red chair that right looks... there. Or maybe maybe the stool. Is the stool better? Probably this folding chair. The folding chair. Are yeah. you gonna you're gonna do a Mick Foley folding chair to your head? To my head. Wow. And and then see this here. Yeah. So we're gonna end the episode. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be standing up here. You're gonna stand on this. Yeah, but I'm gonna crouch and then you can hit me and I'll go into my chair. Okay. And we shouldn't prepare it anymore. And I want <laughs> you to also do your entrance. Like pretend you're walking out, like you're mad at me, and then we have a little confrontation. And okay. this is gonna go back to your backyard wow. roots. Before we do the best social clip we've done for the show yet, I want to make sure everybody follows you right here at Chris Van Vliet everywhere, right? That's it, yeah. And also make sure you check out his podcast, Insight with Chris, with Chris Van, Vliet. Van Vliet. I've listened to many episodes of Insight. Actually, last time we saw each other, I listened to a bunch. Oh, thank and you, you inspired me with this show here, but also like you're just such a great interviewer. And and, and honestly, I think what it comes down to with someone like you is you're a good dude. And you could tell when you in your work that you're a good dude. So keep being a good dude. You're going to be a great dad. Well, likewise to you. You're a great interviewer Thanks, because man. you're not focused on like, I'm going to ask this question followed by this other question right after that. No, I like being in the moment. And yeah. I love that you're about to be in the dad club more than anything. Please call me in the nitty gritty, man, when it gets tough. Call me anytime. It's going to get seriously. tough? Well, you're just not going to sleep maybe for a little. So call me anytime. I love sleep. You'll be fine. Go. You should sleep ASAP if you feel like you love sleep. Though I hate that expecting parent, people who are expecting get, get that a lot. Oh, you're never going to sleep. It's just temporary. You guys, you guys are going to be great. Huh. You'll be fine. Yeah. You know, the funny thing before we do this yeah, grand yeah. thing we're going to do is how many people are like, oh, yeah, it's so hard and you'll never sleep and, 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 but it's so worth it. It's the best thing in the world. And it's like, Oh no. That'd be like, well, the line to get in that restaurant is so long and the hostess is not nice. And then the they're you're seated right next to the people and the portions are really small and it's really expensive, but it's delicious. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. 
Okay. It's worth it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think people just have a weird way of justifying it sometimes through the throes of the responsibility, but mm. it is worth it more than anything. It's the best thing in the world. It's the best job title I've ever had. Love it. So it's going to be for you, I think, and I'm excited for you. The best advice I can give you is to don't listen to anybody's advice and just figure it out with your wife. And do what you I've want. heard that a few times. Thank you. Yeah, I just figure it out. That. Yeah, like because you every couple's different, and everybody who gives advice about babies is just telling you something there they didn't do well or their partner didn't do well. <laughs> you better do this because yeah. you know you, the husband really's got to do because theirs didn't. Mm. So like they're just projecting their own parental stuff that they wish they did differently onto you. That's yeah. when you should just say, "Shut up! I have my own wife. I'm going to be my own dad. Yeah, I don't want to hear about your advice." <laughs> Because that's what happens. So my advice to you is don't listen to anybody. I and, like it. And you're going to be great. Okay. Is it entrance All right, now, time? now beat the shit out of me. An actual <laughs> entrance? Oh. 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 Actually, I'm going to do this. Oh, no, not the hair. Not the hair. I can't. Oh. Oh. You didn't really hit me as hard as I thought you were going to hit me, which is kind of nice. Oh, you got all this crap on your hair. Do I? Sorry. Guys, thanks for watching. Subscribe, like, follow, everywhere podcasts are. I want to thank my guest, Chris, the coolest backyard wrestler turned host interview in the world. Make sure you follow him, too. Thanks for being on, man. That was great. Thank you. That was, that was, that was nice at the end. I got a little <laughs> rush from that. All right, see you guys. Okay.